Right, so welcome to, to part two of our discussion uh, with Matt and uh, Polaris Outdoor. Um, we're also joined by Josh, um, who works with Matt. And uh, yeah, Matt, uh, Josh, if you could do a quick introduction of yourself, that would be that'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. So um, I've been working in the industry for um, getting on for sort of 10 years now. Um, uh, recently started working over the last two years now, I think, started working with Matt. Um, so yeah, bushcraft instructor, mountain leader. Um, yeah, delving into other um, uh, paddling sports, things like that as well. So, archery. Archery, yeah. That's, that's kind of yeah. Awesome. Cool, yeah. So we're going to have a chat about the, the recent trip we went on uh, to Tankavara um, in northern northern Finland. So, yeah, uh, incredible experience. Um, yeah, so I think we're going to do it as part of a – so you're going to ask some questions to, to me first and uh, – I'll sort of describe how what my impressions were and, and how it went from my side and then I'll, I'll sort of flip it over and ask you a few questions and um and we can go from there but yeah I mean it was an incredible experience uh yeah just to sort of summarize it initially but yeah Matt go for it any questions yeah so um it was your first time out with us Max which was a really great experience also a very interesting dynamic with this group which I think we'll get into as part of this chat which is really nice uh, but why don't you give an overview of the trip, where we go, uh, where we went, and what happened? Uh, maybe a couple of highlights for you as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, we went. We uh, met at Heathrow, um, and then we went uh, to, uh, to to Finland, so um, Oslo, and then we went up to uh, to Ivalo. Was it the Ivalo Airport in in the north of north of Finland there? Um, and then we took a bit as about an hour trip um, to Tankavara, which I believe is a gold village. Um, I'll ask you a bit about that but later on. Um, and then, yeah, the next day we did some orientation, um, which we arrived in the evening. So the next day we got up orientation, tour of the village, um, how to use a compass, et cetera, um, how to access emergency services. Then one gets lost in, in the mountains. Um, and we did uh, some snowshoe walking on the next day up to the highest peaks in the area, or one of the highest peaks, I believe. Um, and then personal development uh, booklets in the evening, or was actually every evening. Um, the next day we went husky sledding, uh, did a lecture on cold injuries, hypothermia, which is particularly interesting. Um, and then we did look at skills on, on using gasoline stoves, um, had lunch outside uh, using those stoves. Um, then we saw a husky sled competition. Um, and the afternoon, I believe, was demonstrating snow shelters. And again, looking at hypothermia bags, um, getting the students to make those and, and prepare those um, as, a, as a group. Again, booklets in the evening. Um, and then on day six, we did an expedition up to one of the highest peaks. I think it was the highest peak, actually, was it, uh, in the area? Um, and we had dinner on that on that sort of frozen frozen swamp swamp bed, was it? Uh, or lake? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, again, unreal scenery, um, absolutely stunning. Um, and then some of the students um, slept outside. Um, the ones that uh, some of the ones that had dug the snow caves um, in the previous night, uh, previous day rather, um, which was incredible. They showed a lot of resilience doing that. I was really, really impressed. Um, and they also, well, I personally learned how to make fire. I think they'd previously done that on a on your sort of briefing briefing trip with them prior to going out. Um, and then the final day, there was a Winter Olympics um, session, which was which was really cool to see them all come together over that. Uh, and then a prize giving ceremony for the student that has sort of um, increased most in sort of resilience and confidence and all that sort of thing. Um, a roundup of the trip, um, and then we travel back on on day eight. Um, so yeah, that was a yeah pretty brief overview, but it was um, yeah pretty pretty incredible. Excellent. Um, and out of those that you um, you mentioned. Curious to know what your favourites were. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got to say that the the sled, the sledding, the, the husky sledding was absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, the, those those dogs are. Uh, yeah, the fact they're bred for for one particular sole reason, and, and that's just all they think about. It's almost like another animal entirely um, from from the dogs we're used to here. Um, I mean, the hikes into the local mountains were absolutely unbelievable. Um, both hikes were, were were very impressive, but I think the second for me, the second one was um, particularly incredible especially we'll, we'll sort of go into this a bit later but especially seeing one of the students in particular um that showed a, a lot of resilience um getting up to the top of that mountain and then walking back down through you could sort of hear the snow fall through the through the gaps i think it was um like there's like an obviously massive snowpack right and then there'd be gaps in the snow under, under your feet and you just suddenly hear it drop and that was that was pretty incredible um a bit unnerving but yeah yeah yeah, I'm wondering yeah. what that was for a little while until they Yeah, uh, what made me nervous is when you, when you look nervous. <laughs> so made me nervous. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, what else? My favorite activities. Um, I think, yeah, just generally being in such an alien environment, I think the, the silence was absolutely incredible to hear. I've never heard that before, such as sort of uh, just the, that quietness, that peacefulness. Um, and then just seeing ultimately the, yeah, the students come together um, over some of these bigger activities that really push them um again digging seeing them dig their snow shelters and, and seeing them get you know fighting through the the pain of i think i think we'd done a big hike and then they slept in the snow shelters that night um which is just absolutely incredible i just passed out at about 8 p.m and and uh yeah couldn't couldn't believe they'd slept out, out there all night um so yeah those are just some of my yeah some of my favorite activities i think i think one of the really cool things about that environment if you've not been there before is the the awe and wonder and the, the peacefulness is it's almost tangible, isn't it? And then you can feel this quiet and this silence in the air. Yeah. And with the like you said, the really alien landscape, these like, you know, heavy snow laden trees and um the clarity of the air and, and everything is really um it's beautiful, but also it just kinda like holds you back as well. Like you're like, wow, it's yeah, it's really something. It's that mixture, isn't it, of sort of uh, yeah. awe and uh, and obviously, you know, you're in a very hostile, potentially dangerous environment. And I know that's obviously part of the expedition and trip is to is to really push um, young adults in in this environment and sort of see what they have and and, and try and get them to, to to see things about themselves that they might not have not have thought about before. Um, but it is that interesting mix of complete peace and complete danger if you get it quite wrong. You know, I remember just going through a quick. A quick jaunt off the track when when the students were doing snow caves and um if you leave that track and just start wandering off into the into the into the woods a little bit you can you know find yourself in a you know precarious situation quite quickly if you if you're not fully you know on on the beaten track as it were you know, when we're just not used to that in the uk are we we're just so accustomed to no matter where you walk you'll end up finding someone that's going to help you or you know you're never going to be truly lost in in england in particular um so yeah being in such a um yeah, peaceful but hostile environment was fascinating. Yeah, it's it's easy to, I mean, when you're with the Finns and the uh, the local uh, Sami people who were the um, the indigenous people in that area, you know, they just live it every day. They're born in it. They live in it. So it's very natural. They're also a very relaxed and a very kind of quiet, reserved people as well. Yeah. So. When you see them operating in that environment, it's it's effortless for them to to do that, and you kind of look at them thinking, "Wow, this is 
I'm finding this a little bit unnerving, you know, or mm. especially when it's your first time there as a as a young person. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are there are rules, and those rules have been, you know, had there for a thousand years, even longer. And if you keep those rules and you learn a couple of the skills, you can operate the same as them. It's very empowering. Um, and so mm. you pick brilliant skills, but you pick up this incredible confidence in yourself also being being there. It's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So um, let's talk a little bit about the personal development stuff that uh, we were doing. Maybe uh, we can throw on the screen um, a couple of pages uh, to talk about one of the things that, really makes a difference with what we try to do with the students is to help them develop in uh, their self-confidence and, and a few other attributes. And we've got the awesome awesome development uh, levels, which uh, we'll probably put up, up there so you can see them, about confidence and competence, uh, learning to thrive on change and complexity. Out of all of that, what we do is we ask, uh, we give the students a questionnaire. They fill in that questionnaire. It's got their hopes and dreams their fears and anxieties. We want a bit of truth out of them to see where their strengths and weaknesses are. And then from that, we give them a personal task. Personal task is something which will help them grow, but in most cases, it's also given so that they can also help somebody else grow as well. So if you had a strength in a certain area, let's say um, you were a good navigator and you weren't scared of the dark, and there was somebody on that trip who was really had an anxiety about that particular thing they didn't want to uh, nav navigate out into the wild then you might be kind of secretly paired with that person or you might be asked to get close to that person so you can assist them with that thing that they have difficulty with with everybody on the trip having this kind of almost spider web lattice kind of structure of one another serving each other it creates a very interesting dynamic uh, we just wanted to get your experience of that and anything that stood out to you or any particular uh individual that you saw changing or anything like that yeah i mean I, I didn't quite realize how how much thought had gone into into that sort of pairing situation but also how much you were sort of um analyzing i suppose i don't know if that's the right word but um just observing every single student on that trip and even at breakfast you know when they were exhausted the next day um having done you know done expeditions previous you know the previous day and uh, even even those small interactions who was taking away plates who was looking after um their fellow students or, or friends on the trip um who was sort of acting a bit within themselves or not not particularly engaging much um it was all incredibly well planned and thought out which yeah which kind of blew me away when i when i started to realize how much um yeah, analysis had gone into it and how how much sort of pre-thought, obviously. I, I wasn't there for the, the 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 training prior to the trip. Um obviously you got to know the students really well before the trip and you you know you'd actually um <laughs> put in all that all that uh yeah th those details I think were, were really impressive. Um so yeah, I mean just I suppose overall how some students really embraced that. Um others sort of weren't as engaged as as I suppose they they maybe could have been or sort of a bit of uh um you know a bit cautious or tentative um, about trying to push themselves too much um i think there were a lot that were in the middle um that were sort of yeah trying their best exhausted but also trying to um yeah i suppose maybe protect themselves a bit um 
Yeah, I found it. Yeah, it was very, very interesting. I think it was one student in particular that was sort of didn't really say much at the beginning. Um, but again, I think I referenced this in the first question that he, um, you know, we we went up to the top of this mountain on the on the fourth day, I think it was, um, and he was in skis, and it was particularly tough for students that were in skis and not not the snowshoes. Um, oh yeah, thank God I was in snowshoes. To be honest, I would have I'd have been all over the place. Uh, but he just kept going. He just couldn't. He did not stop, and he didn't. He just sort of went quiet, and I could see that. He was obviously focusing and, and trying to get through it. But, I, you know, I thought he did crack at one point and say, I can't do this. I'm not going to move any further. But he just kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. Um, at the end of the at the end of it, we were having to sort of somewhat, you know, drag him up to the top. Again, wasn't complaining at all. Um, and that really, really has stuck in my mind, actually. That that one kid um, was very, very impressive to, to see that. And I don't know if that would have been the same attitude had, it, had you just chucked him on the mountain on day one. I don't know if it quite, would have been quite the same. Um, but, yeah. I was I was super impressed by the like I said the thought and detail and analysis that that went into that um, journey I suppose that you'd look to build for each student. So, um, how do you think um, the Polaris team then injected um, growth into the daily activities? Yeah, again, really interesting. I think um, getting the students to really working teams um, was, was key, pairing them up, um, like, like Matt said, all that sort of forethought before going on the trip, um, you know, digging the snow caves, for example, you know, again, getting them to work as a team, getting them to work, you know, you each have your job within this hostile environment, you know, you do your best at that one job that you've got um, for the greater good of the, of the, of the unit. Um, so seeing that injected into each task, um, even with, you know, the um, the Olympics at the end of the, uh, the end of the session, at the end of the week, um, that was super well thought through and and you know every person had a particular job if you were good at making the fire that was kind of your job other people were sort of making the barriers to to protect the wind from going on it so that that, that would sort of again it was all for the greater good and of service to to others and I think that was one of the key messages wasn't it Matt that you, in building this it was um, that you wanted to get build that service mindset um, and I think that was it was very very interesting listening to some of the, the talks the motivating talks and and, and the, the fact that you personalized each of those sessions, you know, talking about the, th the frostbite and the, you know, um, uh, and all that sort of thing and saying how it had affected you. Um, sometimes pretty gnarly stories, um, but that kind of got the got the students attention, um, made them realize that it is a hostile environment, but also, you know, the, the personal stories around, you know, of, of going into the hospital when you were a kid and, and sort of, you know, going to each bed and, and, and just having conversations with people that might might not have, you know, might not have um, had that. Uh, input from the from the community elsewhere um so again it was these little personal lessons that were dropped into it that, that injected incredible incredible growth and um i think inspired a lot of kids um yeah throughout the whole trip i think as well um in our society in england certainly in the south there's a lot of affluent areas and uh we we often take a lot of uh wealthy or wealthier you know young people on these trips and uh, it's easy selfishness is is very easy for them if uh, if you watch the so many people who live in this part of the world in the very northern parts of europe you can't be selfish selfishness doesn't actually exist because without a community without neighbors and people around you you know if you fall down a crevasse one day or uh, you know you go through uh, the ice into uh, a river and you haven't got neighbours or people to assist you to get you to hospital or, you know, to uh, 
give assistance where needed, you're going to die and it's going to happen really, really quickly. And with young people from the UK, there's there's a massive comparison between the the self interest of a of a young person growing up in a you know a privileged private school to a person who lives in this part of the world where resources are few and far between. If you want something, it might take four or six weeks to arrive by post because it takes that long for the couriers to actually make the trips up there and so on and so forth. It's a completely different way of thinking. Uh, in my opinion, it's a much more considerate way of thinking where you're always thinking like your neighbours as as well as yourself. So fuel for the fire, you go out and chop wood, you ask your neighbour, do you need this or can I carry this or can I bring this for you or et cetera, et cetera. There's always a sense of community and the personal tasks within what we do, they help to break down some of the barriers uh, with that selfishness and they help to build that that kind of community feeling. Mm. At the end of the day, I think in life, if if you spend your whole life just thinking about you and nobody else, you, you're going to be a very unhappy person. The happiness of life comes through the experiences that you share with other people, mm. not the experiences that you have by yourself. And we can all relate to that as adventurers. I'm sure that all three of us have sat on a cliff edge watching the most incredible sunset by yourself thinking, oh, uh, where's that where's that person that I want to share this with you know and they're not and, you know if they're not there yeah it's not so much a missed opportunity but it wouldn't be as good if you had that to relate with somebody mm. it's almost like that that sort of hostile environment binds people together doesn't it and i remember something you said as well um the fact that nobody's late you know if if you're late by 20 minutes it means you're standing out in the cold in minus 25 so that's um it, again it just all goes to building that community mindset that i think we are sort of yeah we are we do seem to be lacking a little bit especially here in you know in our sort of comfortable um you know comfortable environmental environments where there's you know it's not too extreme it's not too it's not too harsh it's not too cold um but that you know there is something about a bit of struggle i suppose that does that, that does make people think for each other um because it's a very that real effect if you don't yeah that one thing you mentioned about being late that forces you to have integrity and honesty it forces you to be organized so that you are on time so that you are a person of your word mm. if you're not a person of your word nobody will trust you in that environment and as a result either um worst case scenario is you'll get somebody killed or nobody will want you in the community so you mm. have to leave yeah that's the history of living in those kinds of places so you know, teaching that principle, don't be late to a student who has never cared about being on time for dinner with his parents or carers or never really cared about being two minutes late to a classroom in their school setting. This forces you to tighten that discipline and yeah. be better. It's not kind on on selfish mindsets, is it? That kind of environment It's um you're soon going to going to realize it's, it's a tough place to be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to so, say, I was I'm just going to add something. I think the fact that that you guys also, one thing I, I noticed that you really spoke to them like adults, you, you weren't talking to them like they were teenagers or 
um, almost that sort of teacher um, right. student relationship. It was very much there on the same level. Um, so they have to almost step up um, their game. And um, yeah, I think that was that was a that was a huge standout for me as well. I wasn't I wasn't thinking that that would be quite the case that you would be so um, direct in some regards, but in a very very um, positive way. Um, and I think they, based on the feedback as well that they had at the end of the trip, um, they hugely respected that um, and and um, thought that was a yeah. I think that was a, a major part of the of the of the experience for them for sure. Maybe the, for the first time, you know. Um, they, they may have had that in such a hostile environment being spoken to um, like adults. It's, um, yeah, that was very impressive. Well, there's, there's two experiences with that. One is um, if you treat people like children, they'll stay as children. Mm. And you do have to gauge the amount of um, the, the, the amount of adulthood you kind of inject into you know the way you want them to be but if you give them responsibilities and they succeed at those responsibilities they can move into that i mean if you think about a few generations ago there were children 16 17 18 years old signing up for war and they were going going into war and they were handling artillery and planes and equipment and tools and weapons and um people people say oh well it makes you grow up quick well maybe they they already were maybe they lived in a time where at a young age you did have a bit more responsibility and therefore you were a bit more trustworthy and you were a little bit better mm. at getting things done or just working harder. And I think that's a something in our society that um, I think over the last couple of decades has been lost, but also with the new innovations with uh, technology, especially in AI and things, we, we've been looking at the education system and I think it's going to swing back towards um, an ethical approach to your growth, to uh, gaining skills, not just in construction or engineering or in medicine, mm. but skills in empathy, skills in attributes. So what attributes are you building? Skills in honesty, skills in charity. Mm. And you can, you can build skills in... Uh, physical behaviors but you can also build skills in uh, moral and ethical behaviors as well and i think that in the future those things in the education system will have to be developed and mm. that that's something that we're we're looking into that and um, i think it's going to be a really interesting next few years in the education sector around the world mm. uh, i know that from what you're linked to lots of people are talking to us and also uh, yourself about how the education system is about to change uh, and what it will look like afterwards, because mm -hmm. there's going to be certain, like certain examinations in certain subjects, which we just don't need anymore. Mm -hmm. And how will the education system look and how will we build it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why these kind of trips and expeditions um, and outdoor experiences um, are going to be much more and more important as we, as we develop and grow, right. As, technology helps us do more and more things um that are more technical um we're gonna have to be learn to be much more human again um yeah definitely so um how do you think the trip changed you yeah i mean it's it's really interesting I, th I think in a couple of ways um I think certainly that the, the importance of that service mindset um it certainly certainly made me think about what am I doing in my local community? Um, you know, 
no matter how small it is, um, the fact that that is something that should be embedded into each person um, and the fact that in a lot of cases it's not at the moment, um, which might explain certain issues of society that, that we may, ha may, may have, um, that certainly did, did make me think um, how I can do more. Um, and I think um, the fact, yeah, you, you, you mentioned in one of, one of the talks um, how, how what you do um, not only impacts your immediate future, but also potentially future generations to come. And I think that's something we definitely lack as a, as a society and species. Um, and so, yeah, being much more aware of, of the kind of decisions I make, it's not, it's not just me that's affected, but it's going to be kids or grandkids or, you know, people that I interact with um, and the power that that can bring as well. The fact that if you do make the right decisions and you do think as a community, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to create a lasting positive impact, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think that those are the two sort of major, major key takeaways, I think. Um, was there anything you guys, you guys took away from, from this trip? I know we'll go into a couple of questions I've got, but uh, yeah. What did you guys, what did you guys think about this one? Uh, well, for me, I mean, um, like Matt kind of mentioned, it was it was an interesting group, um, and for me, it um, it pushed my leadership skills. If I'm if I'm really honest, you know, it showed me kind of a, a dynamic of the group that I hadn't really experienced before, mm. um, and I I learned a lot about how to how to communicate with with the leadership team about how they can. Um, you know how how they need to be unified in order to um get get done what, what we we're trying to do mm. yeah so that was that was quite interesting yeah Matt, anything did you learn well yeah let's, let's get into it because we're kind of hiding we're hiding one of the topics here aren't we so this group was difficult i think for all of us in this in the sense that the um the teaching staff on this trip um not purposefully but they they undermined um a lot of what we were trying to achieve by allowing the students to opt out of uh activities <clears throat> so we'd say right right guys get your kit let's go and then one of the students might say i'm not feeling like it um and usually the teacher would be like get your kit on we're going uh, and you know, at the end of that day, that student would be like, "That was awesome! That was incredible! And it was hard, and I learned something, and I'm really glad I did it." Whereas what happened in this case was the the teachers uh, just exemplified a huge amount of uh, apathy towards them getting the activities done and achieving great things, and because of that, quite a few of the students lost out in a, in a number of ways they they really lost some learning opportunities and maybe we'll get into it with some of the questions you asked but uh, one thing that you you don't know is that after this uh, trip we we did a, a celebration evening and uh, nearly all of the students who opted out of the major activities they didn't even turn up to that celebration evening and we've never ever had that before uh, usually we get an incredibly united team, some incredible memories. Excuse my hay fever, I sound like I'm all bummed up, don't I? Um, they get some great memories and they share they share in that together. And it's uh, quite a special thing. Whereas 
quite a few, not all of them. It was a minority, but in this group, um, there was a fracturing that took place. And so some of them, they didn't share in that success and that greatness. And afterwards, they they then withdrew themselves away from the limelight, I think mostly because of a certain amount of shame that they didn't achieve that. And the problem that we had with that is that if the teachers had pushed them just a little bit, you know, a teacher is a mentor. A teacher is somebody who wants you to experience a certain amount of pain with a certain amount of risk to get a greater benefit to get something better than what you had before. And it comes through struggle. And I don't think those teachers understood uh, the principle associated with that. And because of that, some of, the, more, some of the students failed, where usually we come away from a trip like this with, I'd say, in all honesty, zero failure. Somebody would, everybody would achieve something. Whereas on this trip, I can name one student who achieved nothing, and that's a real. That was a real shame to us. We talked about it a lot on the plane on the way home, didn't we? But yeah. And how? I mean, is are there ways that I suppose how can that be mitigated uh, happening again? I mean, it sounds like it. It was like a quite a unique one-off happening. Um, but is there? I mean, do do you? I mean, is there ways that you can maybe engage the the teachers next time, or how 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 might that? I mean, it's tough, isn't it? You know, once you've, yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah. it's, it's that building relationships prior to to going on the trip, or yeah, and that's that's fundamentally what we reflected on. I mean, um, we talked about having um, setting out really really clear expectations uh, before the trip, having a meeting to talk about exactly what um, what we're trying to achieve, make sure absolutely everyone's on the same board um on the same playing field as us um so that we do pre present that unified front so that no one slips through the gaps or no one's offered another option to, to get out of an activity because they're not feeling it or, or something like that mm. um, so i think that that was a, that was a big thing that we discussed that, that we're going we're to change for next time the funny thing with this uh particular school we've got a really good relationship with this school it's quite long lasting and also the teacher in charge as well but this was his first time in the full leadership position as the school leader. And I think, uh, I mean, I can't speak for him, but um, he wanted to make everybody happy instead of make everybody grow. And that kind of came through. And the, the one of the problems is, I think with a teacher is, you you don't really know what makes one of your students happy you might get to know them that well i had a form group for five years but i'd probably say that maybe only 10 or 15 percent of them i knew what made them happy and that's mm. after five years of seeing them every single day so uh, as a teacher you 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 could be friendly but you don't really want to be their friend mm. you're a mentor and a mentor should put a young person through a certain amount of difficulty you know you risk assess it you you use your noggin to make sure they're not going to get any permanent scarring from anything that you're uh, putting them through. But you want them to grow. And like I said before, growth comes through challenge and adversity. Mm. You don't you don't grow if it's plain sailing. You stay the same. Uh, and to change, you have to be pushed a little bit. And a teacher, it's their job to guide them through that assist where necessary but to let them 
experience it for themselves instead of trying to carry them through. Mm. And I think that's the dynamic that we had this time that we've actually not really had before. Um, so like Josh said, some preliminary meetings and just set the expectations a little bit uh, tighter. Sometimes, you know, we have had teachers come to us before and say, guys, we, we think you're pushing them a little bit too hard. Now, we're not military and we don't push them that hard at all. But we we are very good at gauging what they can do. Mm. And so we, we say to them, just step off. They can do this. Just yeah. watch. They always do it. They always do it. And it's amazing to see. I mean, later on, we take these kinds of students to Borneo. We dump them on a deserted tropical island in the middle of the South China Sea. We say, right, this is how to deal with the crocodiles. This is how to look out for the wild boar. This is how to set up your camp safely. And they do it. And they mm. are absolutely brilliant. It's incredible what human beings have achieved on our planet, isn't it, in history? Yeah. Um, I think that with these kinds of programs, these school steps to get them outside of their comfort zones, uh, sometimes it, in the moment it can seem like something big, but humans can achieve a great deal. And if they're mentored properly, they can they can really reach for the stars. It's great. Yeah, and there's a couple of points there. I mean, I think, do you think there's uh, maybe, if if they, if they know the students personally, it's always going to be slightly more, slightly harder um, for them to slightly have back off and have that distance when you know what you're doing is is going to genuinely help them make, you know, change them and grow. Because, um, you know, ultimately you're not, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous environment, you know, it can be, but, I, you know, you're never going to put, a student in mortal danger of of themselves so it's um you know you you're building a very controlled environment what seem may seem dangerous but actually is highly controlled um so i suppose you've got that you've got that confidence haven't you and i suppose it is difficult you're coming coming at it cold and you know the students personally to to take that step back right yeah i think i think it's interesting i wonder how often um it's that the teacher is sometimes feeling uncomfortable and because then they then they're vocalizing that and sometimes it could be piled off as that oh i think the students look a bit uncomfortable but that's actually going on inside yeah and we're quite good at our jobs so we're, that's we're an really interesting at, yeah um, those those um in those specific activities we can see when um you know a student is perhaps feeling a, a bit uncomfortable and then when there's genuinely a, a problem there's big big visual telltales or, or if we're talking to them then we can get an idea that way and in those situations, yeah, then we'll do something about it. Um, but yeah, nine times out of ten, that's not the case, is it? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're dead right. I think sometimes, uh, and we can probably all think of a moment in our lives when we've done that, when we've actually re um, reflect, uh, kind of reflected our own feelings onto a situation mm -hmm. and then palm them off onto somebody else and say, oh, that person's really worried about doing this. And they're really like, <laughs> they're biting their na nails about yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, interesting. All right, guys, great. Well, I'm going to turn the turn the questions on on you both now. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose just starting off, really. Um, you know, why why Tankabara? Um, what is it about that place that made you think this is the perfect um, spot to do something like this? Very good question. I mean, it's a very special place. Um, we one thing that we do as a company and i did this when i was a teacher and i was I was very fortunate that my uh head who was a wonderful man called sir george berwick who um in a lot of ways invented the 
modern education system in the UK as, as it is today. Um, he let me recce all the expeditions that uh, we designed when we were doing this uh, in schools. And that's very empowering. You know, you, you're on the ground, you're writing the risk assessment in that place. It's 10 times better than anything else that, you know, buying in a third provider can do. So we kind of, um, we as a company, we pride ourselves on that because of that history and that legacy that we had. So Tankavara was discovered in that exact way. We had, we had a couple, well, we have another site in Finland, which is to the south of Tankavara. It's also a wonderful site. It has some really good uh, World War II history associated with it. Um, it's by the Tornio River, which is stunning. And there's ice fishing and there's all sorts of activities that are done there. When we found Tankavara, it was it was another level of special. The the silence that can be had there is uh, a lot more powerful. There's almost zero light pollution as well. So in the other places that we've been to, especially when you go to tourist locations, there's always a lot of street lighting. And here in Tangavara, there's there's almost none. And where there is around the main kind of square, you can walk for three minutes and you've just got a pure, brilliant sky. Um, on top of that, I'm a geologist and there's gold. There's well some great history with the gold in northern in northern Europe there. So we have a summer expedition which go does gold panning, and then we have the winter expedition, which is uh, what we're talking about now. So it had dual purpose, but there's a lot more feeling of this kind of very traditional Finnish uh, history there, and there's some there's some great places to visit around that area. It's really wonderful. It's very special. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, and, and how did you come up with the structure of the um of the the personal development series over over those um over those seven days or so? Um, you know, with the book looks, for example, that was you know so well thought out. Um, how did how has that evolved and how has that come about? That that's a lot of work. It's kind of the icing on our cake, and I think I think we could probably both say it's the the jam in the butty in it. It's it's the really good stuff that makes a great trip into an incredible trip mm. uh, because of the celebration that you can have at the end, because what, what you're doing is you're, you're identifying the attributes that the students have developed. Um, I mean, on maybe took it up on the screen. We've got the awesome development levels and on the table, they're ticking each day. If they, if they're gaining those attributes, they're reflecting on their day in a diary. Uh, it's almost, it's almost 20 years worth of development. Half of it was done when I was a teacher because I wanted I wanted my students to become like me in the sense that when I went climbing or I went to the jungle, I wasn't afraid of those environments for very particular reasons, often because of the mistakes I'd made and the stories I had to tell from that, but also the successes as well. We then had to try and structure that without having these epic, detrimental, almost like dying stories to tell you know it's like how do you make this a little bit safer so let's do a risk assessment and how do you allow young people to have experiences which are no less meaningful but there's less danger and uh, detriment uh, to them 
And so the booklet was born out of that and it, it gets them to learn about risk. It gets them to learn about nutrition. It gets them to learn about their mental health and how their brain reacts in certain situations, especially when you're dehydrated or when you're scared and how the adrenaline gets injected into the body and how that affects you and your thinking processes and all those kinds of things. So there's a lot involved in it. And when you teach that to, well, anybody, young people or, or adults who haven't had these kinds of experiences, they they can grab it a lot more easily. So uh, we definitely pride ourselves in it. Uh, it is a lot of work, but for us, it's really worth it because when you're helping other people, it really accelerates the growth. I suppose it just provides evidence of learning, doesn't it, like you said, um, that you can say, the, I mean, you know how impactful it is, but it, it almost it also builds buy-in from senior leaders, you know, that, that maybe weren't on a trip, but the, from the school back home and sort of looking at, you know, okay, what what did what did students get out of it? So it just goes to prove this model that getting students outdoors in these kind of environments in a kind of a planned trip like this has a major impact on on students' long-term development, um, and I suppose it also impacts their, their their academic subject learning as well, doesn't it? When they when they come back home. Yeah, we've definitely data on that, that uh, the academic achievement is raised much higher. I know we've talked about this in, in other podcasts that we've uh, got with the ISN, that an outdoor learning program accelerates academic uh, mm. achievement inside the school and also a person's general happiness and well-being. Mm. So they're all very, very connected. I think it's just about balance, you know, in maybe the last, uh, in the Northeast, certainly, when I was in the education system early on, it was very numbers driven. Teachers were expected to produce numbers and excellence and Ofsted really kind of pushed that. And it, it took a lot of the joy out of teaching, but it, it also made everybody in a lot of ways less joyful. Um, I know that the mental health of a lot of my students during that time was was pretty tough and also about mm. teachers with the extra work they were put on so this balance between enjoyment risk experiential learning uh friendship building service to others and then your academic there has to be a, a balance they have an individual balance that you know is different from everyone else's but um looking at it generally and saying let's do a bit less academia and let's get outside let's go do something it has, it has no less worth in fact you know in some cases it has more worth than just staying in the classroom longer doing the same old thing that we've been doing before yeah and we'll, we'll put a couple of those links of those previous conversations we've had at the bottom of this and also um i don't know if you've got any ebook as well um for that that series you've got um or the the, the pamphlet that you've built um and built up over the last 20 years that you now use in your expeditions we'll, we'll put a link on that below too um cool all right so yeah how, how did i mean we've touched on it a little bit but how did this compare how did this trip compare to to other trips um you both have uh, you both have been on um well i mean in terms of uh, you mean with, with with polaris or just other other trips that yeah with school groups yeah yeah so um i mean i i, I freelance for other companies as well um so I've got the, the nice perspective of being able to see how, you know, other expert companies do it. Um, I mean, for, for me, it's, 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 it's the, um, 
the booklet it's it's the the personal growth work that they do that isn't really done on that level elsewhere i mean you know you you could you go to you could go to developing countries um and in in the same similar way you know tough tough situations or um tough environments and you can learn a lot about yourself and you can you know if re reflection is important in that um but the way that the students record it um throughout throughout the book and how we build on it every single day isn't isn't really done i don't think um so that's yeah, that's that's quite an interesting one. I think I think for me, hmm. evidence of learning, right? Yeah, um, and there seems to be a couple of specific challenges. I think on this particular trip, right? And if we sort of go into how you, how you maybe overcame those, because I mean, you know, ultimately it is a dangerous environment, and if you've got students that are um, maybe not as focused as others, or maybe mucking about a bit, um, you know, which is seem seemingly seemingly harmless, you know, in in the UK or the environment that they're used to, but can be quite dangerous in all honesty you know in in those kind of settings um you know how how did you overcome those specific challenges and make sure that you know there weren't any any disasters i suppose so the most dangerous activity in this whole week isn't you know walking out into the tundra in the night time and navigating in, in the dark or anything like that the the actual most dangerous trip is the creation of the quinzies and the snow shelters that mm the people are building that they're going to sleep in. And we we make the activity quite safe by having the snowplow pile up great big piles of snow so it's already compacted uh, for a few days and frozen so that when uh, we dig into those piles, they're very, very stable. But um, it's important to make sure that you, you build it correctly so the shape, the internal shape and the external shape has to be correct. And we take the students through that. And then there's a way of watching a buddy system where you're watching your companions, one's digging, and then we teach them all how to do an emergency uh, dig out. So um, you, may, you may have learned this if you've done off-piste uh, skiing, where if you get avalanched, uh, you've got your transceiver, you flip your transceiver and it allows you to hone in on your buddy we don't need that in this situation but the digging process is exactly the same the way that you would dig them out is the way that you do it in an avalanche setting and we we instill that into the people who do it so that they they get a feel of of uh how quickly they have to do it because you've only got a couple of minutes maximum before they're going to completely run out of air and digging like that uh, is very very uh, difficult so on this trip we did have a couple of students who um, sabotaged one of the other shelters, which was, that was a big no-no. That's actually never happened before. Uh, and we discussed this, and I, I actually even went into the school after the event, and I sat down with the head of year and the head teacher, discussed um, the consequences of, of these students' actions. And at first, the, the head teacher was not going to take any action against the students at all. She thought nothing of it. And I I said, hold on a second. This These students, what they did, even though they were just playing a prank, that shelter could have been destabilised and it could have collapsed on their companions when they were asleep and they would have been pinned underneath all that snow and they would have suffocated and died. So when that was then instilled into the the teacher the head teacher 
then it was like actually there needs to be a consequence because they need to learn from this that what they did even though it was a prank they need to understand the seriousness of it and with that there has to be an attached uh disciplinary as, as well so that was actually quite a good thing in the end but i i think that only actually happened because of the disunity that occurred between the polaris leaders and the teachers because what was happening was we were asking them to do difficult things to step outside of their comfort zone and the teachers were letting them off from those difficult things. And so it fractured the team and the team started drifting towards the teachers because the teachers were giving them an, e an easy ride. So as previously mentioned, we need to make sure that that doesn't really happen again. So that was quite a good learning experience for Josh and I because we'd never really seen that before, had we? Before that, the teachers relied on us and the kids completely relied on us. And in this case, it kind of split, split in the middle a little bit. That's interesting you see that impact, isn't it? That if there isn't, if you're not completely on the same page, um, especially with the with the leaders from from the school that know them personally, and like we've said before, could maybe say, you know, or oh, you know, Jake's feeling a bit um, you know, sad or whatever, you know, maybe that is the re reflection of their own feelings. But ultimately, if there is that slight disunity, it can it can have very serious consequences quite quickly if you if you um snowball that up to the highest level, right? Um, so that's I suppose, yeah. It's interesting. I think as well. Think as well. Um, people who don't operate in the outdoors, they don't necessarily appreciate. They they look at the Jake and say, "Oh, I think Jake doesn't. Jake shouldn't go out today because you know he's not feeling up to it." Whereas the teacher may not understand that you have spent a lot of time creating a route through the wilderness, which is appropriate, which has escape routes on it so that if we need to get out because of a medical emergency or somebody just freaks out you can then be like escape route one this is the way we're going back we have this equipment with us we can do this we can do that there's a bunk a bunkhouse over here all that planning goes into making a successful and safe uh, trip and we talked about this as well that uh, i mean the teachers we do give them the full risk assessments, the itineraries, and in our itineraries are the escape uh, routes and the emergency plans as well. So it's obvious that then if you've got uh, a teacher who is allowing a student to opt out like that, one of the reasons could be that they haven't read that material and they need to they need to read it and get on board with what's going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last question is, is, you know, were there any standout students? You know, there, I do remember a, a couple of students in particular that were um, that were brilliant um, and they had such a great attitude. Um, and, you know, almost from the start, but I think, you know, it did show a lot of other students that, that they sort of stepped up as well. Um, you know, who, who were the standout? Were there any standouts for you? Yeah, I mean, um, we, unbeknownst to the students at the very end of the, um, of the trip, we um give out some prizes um, and we take put a lot of thought and discussion into who's going to receive those prizes um we have usually um a main prize which is a, a, a really fancy handcrafted bushcraft knife and then we have um uh, a kind of follow-up prize that um it's a swedish fire steel both are bits of kit that require a lot of responsibility so we don't just go oh, we have these two prizes, so we're going to give them out because we have to. It's, it's not done like that at all. And I think, you know, if there ever was a situation where we 
didn't want to give them out because no one truly deserved them, then we then we wouldn't. Um, and the the winners of these prizes, I mean, first off, you you've got to be committed to your to your personal task um, that that we give them. Um, you you've you've got to show growth through the week. So even if that person starts off. Um, not the best student or not even the best person you know maybe they don't help out with their family or maybe they don't help out with their community or maybe they're just quite quiet and, and insular maybe 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 they're not that confident but then if we see those massive that massive growth throughout the week then yeah we're going to identify them as um as a, as a potential winner um and, and on top of that as well um our two winners this time we don't often get thanks for doing a lecture it's that at the end of a day when they're really tired and sometimes you see head eyes rolling back into people's heads because they're so so tired because they've been doing things all day um so these particular students both of them came up and thanked us for for you know every time we'd, we'd done a lecture or we'd done an activity um so that was kind of like the the, the cherry on top really they, they just happened to be brother and sister as well yeah. which uh, we've not had before so that was really really cool and um when we did the celebration evening um we we went up to the the parents and we told the parents uh what a credit uh their children were to their parenting skills because you know it wasn't on purpose that those prizes were given out in that way it just, it's just the way i wouldn't say it's way the way the dice fell because it's not about chance this is about purposefully putting yourself forward yeah. mm. and uh they really uh they really deserved those prizes and the recognition as well so it was great to see that that came from one family which was which was very cool i was gonna say yeah, that's that's really cool i mean and the, the parents i mean did you get quite a a mix of reactions sometimes with parents about the trip i mean i imagine most parents are just absolutely yeah. you know can't can't believe how much their their, their kid have learned. Um, but yeah, how how, how how do the parents normally feel about it? We get a lot of emails um, with uh, great thanks, and in a lot of cases, the students are more helpful at home. Uh, they're a little bit more independent, keep their room tidy, do their chores, those kinds of things. Uh, quite a few of them will volunteer more. And then quite a few of the top students who have really pushed themselves, they'll want to come do work experience with us. And we've even given some of them work as well. They've actually had paid work wow. when they get to the level that they're good enough. And we send them off on training courses with um, our mentors, you know, with the people who who made us who we are. So uh, sky's the limit with the learning when it comes to outdoor skills uh, in all the disciplines that we're involved in brilliant awesome guys so i think we'll we'll sort of leave it there um <coughs> chat looking forward to another another expedition soon hopefully uh, um and i know we're working on something potentially with, with uh to offer our rsm members as well so that's super exciting um but yeah more, more to come on that uh soon but yeah thanks so much guys again incredible experience and um yeah like i said looking forward to the next one hopefully hopefully soon thanks a lot max good to chat again cheers max